You know, I've noticed as a dad, one of the things I really enjoy is embarrassing my children in public. Any other dads like to do that? Like just embarrassing? It's so much fun. I'll dance. And what's really cool right now is that my daughter's on the front row. And so like, Ella, is this kind of the one you like? You know, like, like that one right there? Or is it this? Love you, Ella. Love you. I also will do this thing where I'll speak with an accent every place I go. Like, uh, howdy. You know, I'll, I'll pass people and say, howdy. And they just, in their back seats, are just getting lower and lower. It's just so much fun. Well, we got, we got to get started, guys. We probably ought to get started. Let's welcome all those watching online and at our south side. Come on, put your hands together. So glad you're with us. Hey, we're in this series, Miracles, and it's just been so fun, so cool. And here's the reality. Pastor Scott talked about this before, but miracles are for today. It just didn't just happen in the Old Testament. didn't just happen in the New Testament. doesn't just happen to your neighbor or somebody else or somebody next to you or the person on the stage. There's a miracle for you today and for your life. And you've got to believe that, right? The miracles are for today. And uh, I want to just encourage you with this, that, that not only are they for today and that God has a, a plan for you, but um, it's really supposed to be a lifestyle of miracles. It's really one right after another. It's not just one that just happens, but God wants to work supernaturally in your life, okay? God wants to work supernaturally in your life. Turn to your neighbor right now. I want you to tell him two things. Hey, I love what you did with your hair, and God wants to work supernaturally in your life. He does. It's been a minute since someone told me that. It's okay. It's okay. I'm securing myself. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. All of us want miracles in our lives. It's kind of like right now, if I said, hey, I, I would give you an electric car for free, okay? You'd be like, yes, I'll take that with gas prices right now. Yes, okay? It's the same with miracles. God wants to work supernatural miracles in your life, and we all want God to work supernatural in our lives because we have problems that we want solved. We have dreams that we want to achieve. We have goals that we want to obtain. And when you have the supernatural working in your life, when you have miracles happening, it helps you solve problems. It helps you realize dreams. It helps you achieve those goals. That's the reality of miracles. You know, we went, uh, we went camping recently. Actually, this past week, we went to uh, Texas. So that's kind of where I got that accent thing that I was like going, howdy, howdy. It was really fun. Anyway, we went camping. And part of, part of the dad's job in camping is to start a campfire, right? I mean, that's just like, that's obvious. That's our role. Well, um, I don't know if you've ever tried to start a fire without a lighter or not, but it's very difficult to do that. And so I forgot a lighter, of course. And so I was like, oh, man. I got so I was like not going to try to start a fire without a lighter. So I go to the store to get a lighter. And um, I go up to the worker, and I, I said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a lighter. And I'm kind of oversaved in this, in this sense. I feel kind of stupid for saying this. But um, I went up to the person, and I was like, hey, um, where are your lighters? Not like, not like for cigarettes, you know, because I, I don't smoke. <laughs> but, you know, for, um, for something. I meant to say to start a campfire. But instead, I said, where, where are your lighters? Um, I need to start a forest on fire. <laughs> I don't know, and so that's not, not a good thing to say uh, there. So anyway, I got the lighter, but here's what I realized. Here's what I realized, that it's easier to start a forest. <laughs> See, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I promise you I'm not starting forest fires, okay? I believe in Smokey the Bear, I, all of that. I learned that as a child. That's very important to me. Um, 
but it's much easier to start a campfire with a lighter than without one. And here's the reality. In your life, it's much better to have the supernatural working in your life because you have challenges and problems that God wants to work and solve in your life, but you need the supernatural to do that. And that's what, that's what this miracle series is all about. It's helping you realize that God wants to work supernaturally in your life. So it's not a question of whether we want miracles for our life. It's what do you have to do to get a miracle? That's really the question. What do you have to do to get a miracle? And so if I were to, if I were to ask you, you know, what, what would it take to lift like heavy weights? You probably would say, okay, go to the gym and lift weights until they're heavy, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty obvious. If I were to, you know, ask you, you know, maybe you've got a teenage son or daughter and they come up to you and, and they say, hey, I, wanna, I want some money. And you say to them, we'll get a job, okay? That's, that's what you would probably uh, say to them. For some of you, if it was be like, okay, how do you run five miles? Okay, at that point you'd say a divine miracle for, for some of us, okay? It would be a divine miracle without stopping. But you'd probably say, okay, run one mile, then two miles, and three, work your way up to five. And if someone were to ask me, what does it take to get a miracle? I would say faith in God. Right there, faith in God. If you would simply have faith in God and trust in him. Because this is what you see. God rarely does a miracle apart from someone's faith. You see it all the time that Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Your faith has made you well. Your faith is great. You receive your, your miracle. You see Jesus all the time making this connection between faith and miracles between us trusting the Lord and the supernatural. You can't read the Old Testament and the New Testament without coming to that conclusion. And today, we're going to look at a story that someone received a miracle, and we're going to take some lessons from it. And this particular person was in a desperate situation, a desperate situation. I don't know if you've ever been in a desperate situation. You ever go to like a gas station bathroom and then sit down for business, and then realize there's no toilet paper. Don't have to do a show of hands. I know South Campus probably got all your hands raised right now. We've all been there. And so the worst way, it's like kind of a sketchy gas station, but you're kind of desperate because you're on the road. You know, have you ever run out of gas? Anybody ever run out of gas? Been in a desperate situation where you've done that? I remember one time, bad dad move here, um, but we, we, our kids wanted to go to the circus. And so we went to the circus because, you know, they wanted to ride the elephants and play with the lions and stuff like that. I guess that's still a thing. So, so we go to the circus and we're excited. The kids are all excited and everything. Only to get there and find out they only take cash. And then for the next hour and a half, Ella was crying the entire time, screaming. Aah! Bad dad move. I was in a desperate situation. Maybe you've been in a desperate situation, maybe one a little more serious than, than some of those, beyond a, maybe even just a simple problem, but you've been in a challenging set of circumstances, and maybe for your situation that you find yourself, maybe even today, it's something that's not your fault, or maybe it is something that is your fault, or maybe it's something that's a combination of the two, but you find yourself in a desperate situation. And today, we're going to look at a, a story of someone who was in a desperate situation and received 
a miracle. And I believe that all of us are going to be encouraged by this story because the reality is you don't have to live very long without encountering some kind of desperate situation where you're in a challenging set of circumstances. If you haven't faced one yet, you will at some point. You probably face multiple of these situations. So if you're not exactly in that circumstance right now, this will encourage you for the time that you do go through something like that. But I believe it's going to encourage all of our faith because the reality is we all have needs. We all have challenges. We all have difficulties that we're going through, and we need a miracle from God to work those out. So we're going to look at this story. It's found in Matthew chapter 15. It's also found in Mark chapter 7, but we're going to mainly look at Matthew chapter 15, starting in verses 21, and we'll read through 28. So if you've got it, you can open up your Bibles or pull out your phone. You can look at Matthew chapter 15. If you're ready, say, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, here we go. Verse 21, then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him, pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her, go, go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep the people of Israel. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Now catch this, what, what Jesus is about ready to say, okay, is going to blow our minds here. Verse 26, Jesus responded, it isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Jesus said, what? Turn to your neighbor right now and say, Jesus said, what? Some of you didn't do very good on that. I'll just be honest with you. Kind of crazy. We're going to talk about this, okay? We're going to talk about why Jesus said that. All right, verse 27. She replied, that's true, Lord. Even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall from beneath the master's table. Verse 28. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Today, I want to give you four lessons for your miracle. Four lessons for your miracle. Okay, we're going to pull them up here at the beginning. We're going to work our way through it as we go through the message. All right, the first one is desperation will send you somewhere really good or really bad. Second one, the past can't keep you from your miracle. The third one, barriers are preparation for your miracle. And number four, bold faith will precede your miracle. Bold faith will precede your miracle. All right, turn to your neighbor right now and say, hey, your miracle is coming. Come on, tell them. Oh, wow. Wow. That was like, hey, your miracle's coming. Just here to encourage you. Your miracle's coming. Come on. We've got to try that again. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, come on. Your miracle's coming. There we go. There's some faith. Man, that extra hour, we all could have used it. Okay. I know. I get it. I get it. All right. That first one. Desperation will send you someone really good or really bad. Now, this woman had a daughter who, you know, obviously was, was suffering. We don't know exactly specifically what the daughter was going through, what the demon was doing. But this is a mom. Like, and her, her child is suffering. Maybe as a parent, you've experienced this where your kids are going through something physical or they, there's some kind of medical emergency or they're suffering in some way. And so our heart obviously goes out to this woman that her child is suffering. And she actually describes a little bit of it when she talks to Jesus. She, she says the words that, that the demon is tormenting her severely. So this isn't something that's small. This is not a good situation. And this woman likely heard of Jesus somehow and, and what he was doing and, and heard about that he could do miracles. 
that he could cast out demons, that he could do something about her situation. And what's interesting, she goes searching for Jesus, but Jesus was actually trying to hide. We see this in Mark's account of the story. He adds this little detail here. So Mark chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, this is what it says. Then Jesus left Galilee, went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. So immediately, this, Jesus is trying to hide. like He's trying to get away, the crowds, all, all that stuff. And, and this woman finds him. He, she goes searching for him, which is a powerful lesson for us. Sometimes, you know what? For your miracle, you got to go searching for Jesus. Okay, sometimes you got you to step out and go looking for him to find him, to figure out where he's at. That's why Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open to you. She's searching. She's looking. And for us, we've got to be willing to search sometimes for Jesus, to go out and step out and look for Jesus. What, what she does in the physical realm, Jesus wants us to do in the spiritual realm. So when we get on our knees and we're looking for and we're trying to find Jesus. And so that's what this lady does. And she finds Jesus, and she brings her desperation to him. And this is interesting about desperation, being in, in a desperate spot. We've got to be really careful. Because being desperate, you can go somewhere really good, or you could go somewhere really bad. Maybe you've been in a situation to where you've been desperate, and you've had that option presented to you, like it does all of us. To where maybe you've been stressed, and things are difficult, and and you could go to the Lord and you could cast all your cares on the Lord like the Bible says. Or you can turn to alcohol and drugs and try to cope with that. Or maybe you're under the pressure, maybe at work or something. Something's going on and you bring that anxiety and that frustration home to your family. And now you start taking those things out on your, fa- your family rather than, than going to the Lord and trusting him and giving those needs to him. As a result, maybe you're, you're speaking differently to them and not kind to them, harsh and then maybe you become verbally abusive to them. There's an option that, that in desperate moments we can start to do desperate things and it could take us somewhere really, really bad. Or maybe even for your marriage, you're frustrated. You're like, I've been trying to change them and they won't change. Lord, change them. God's like, you need to change a little bit <laughs> before we start changing the other person. But you could give up or you could go to the Lord and just trust him and believe and, and rely on him. We all have an option when we're, we're desperate. You can fill in the blank of what maybe it is that God's not fulfilling what you desire and what, what you're wanting in that dream or that hope, that baby, that calling. Fill in the blank for you. And we've all got an option in those moments. Do we go to the Lord and continue to seek him and trust in him? Or do we get angry and bitter and frustrated even at God? We've all got a choice whenever we're desperate. We've got to be so, so careful. Remember this. Write write this down. Emotions are powerful motivators that can send you to the feet of Jesus or to the prison of addiction, bitterness, or despair. We have to be so careful when we're in a desperate spot. But you know what this lady does? She goes to Jesus. Jesus is the right answer every time. 
I know that sounds cliche. I know that that sounds so churchy. But the reality is that is the truth, that Jesus is the right answer every single time. Every problem, every challenge, every difficulty that you face, Jesus is always the answer every single time. I want to encourage you, maybe today you're in that spot to where you're in a desperate spot and you're wanting to go to other things or you're tempted to go, you know, go back to the alcohol or go to the drugs or do something that would cope with your, your challenge or your issue. I want to encourage you, go to Jesus. He's the one that can help you. Now, I want to encourage you in this. It might mean also going to the doctor. It might mean that God uses medicine. It might mean, you know, you going to the counselor. It might mean going to living free. All that might be a pro- part of the process. That's not in opposition to going to Jesus. It's not either or. But it's going to him first and saying, God, I give you this challenge. I give you this problem. And continuing to go to him. And as he opens door, now you, now you walk through those doors. Now you say, okay, a part of this is counseling. To deal with my issues. A part of this is maybe going to the doctor and getting medicine. All of that can be a part of it, but it's a step of faith to trust Jesus first. And that's what this lady does. She goes to Jesus. All right, the second, the second point here. The past can't keep you from your miracle. The past can't keep you from your miracle. Okay, so this lady, she is, um, the, the New Living Translation, as we read it, translated, translates it a Gentile woman. But if you go to the Greek, it's a, a Canaanite. Okay, so it's a Canaanite, and the Canaanites uh, were, were enemies of the Israelites. So one commentator writes this, the Canaan, Canaanites, many of whose survivors had been driven northward from Israel during the Israelite conquest. This would have been when the Israelites came out of Egypt, and then they eventually went into the Promised Land and went war, uh, were at war with the Canaanites. Many of them went north, and um, these people were the most morally despised of Israel's enemies in the Old Testament. So they were the enemies of the people of God. So that's what this woman was. She was literally had a background that was an enemy of the people of God. The second thing is that she's from an area and from a town, the region of Tyre and Sidon, which those two towns did not have a great reputation at all. They were traditionally known as pagan areas that that worshiped uh, pagan gods and it was also a place where Jezebel, if you're reading the Old Testament in 1 Kings, she married the king of Israel, King Ahab, and she was terrible. Like she killed all the Lord's prophets, and she uh, introduced pagan worship to the Israelites, and she was not a good person and not from a good area. And so this is Tyre and Sidon, and even then, Jesus also is referring to Tyre and Sidon as a bit of a backdrop when he's rebuking a couple of towns that he went to and did miracles in. Here, I'll just read it to you in Matthew chapter 11. It says this, What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on the day of judgment than you. Obviously, his point was to rebuke the towns that he had gone to and hadn't repented. But yet, in this passage, we see the mention of Tyre and Sidon. They're wicked people and wicked places. And so it doesn't have a great reputation. That's where this lady is from. She's from the region of Tyre. And then not only that, not only is she a Canaanite, not only is she from this wicked town Tyre and Sidon area, but she's also a she. She's a woman. And in that day... Things were much more difficult for women in that day. Most every area of life. So she has all of these things that were a part of her background. And if you were to look at it, certainly if you were to ask the disciples in that day, 
She would be a very unlikely candidate for a miracle from a human perspective, but not from God's perspective. You know, God loves choosing the unqualified. He loves turning all of it on, on top of its head. I just love the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Back, at, back in that day, that, that whole idea of Good Samaritan would have been an oxymoron to a Jew. Because the Samaritans were, were half-breeds, outcasts, betrayed, the Jews they felt like. And yet, Jesus uses the Good Samaritan to highlight a point in a parable to, to show the Israelites, hey, you guys aren't even doing what you're supposed to be doing. He actually highlights and elevates a Samaritan person. He turns it on his head, and everybody in that day would have been scratching their heads like, why are you using a Samaritan as an illustration here? Someone we would have never picked, but Jesus picks that person. Then you, you also have all the, the prostitutes and the tax collectors that are going after Jesus and repenting, and, and Jesus rebukes the religious leaders and being like, they're the ones that are actually know that they've sinned and done wrong, and they're coming to me, and I, I welcome them. But in that day, the religious leaders like, why are you hanging out with them? Why are you even close to them? Jesus loved turning everything on its head. They're, they seem so unqualified. Why are you blessing them and helping them? But Jesus says, it's not about that. Here's the reality. I'm going to go with the unqualified because everybody is unqualified. Every single person. And you might be here today feeling like, oh, I'm unworthy of a miracle. I'm unworthy of the supernatural. I'm unworthy of God working in my life. I'm telling you today, you are not unworthy in God's eyes because God has made you worthy. He wants to help you. He wants to give you a miracle. But you got to trust it. you got to believe it. And that's what it was for this woman. She, she pushed past her past and had to believe and trust that God wanted to do a miracle. Don't let your background, your economic st status, your brightness, or lack thereof keep you from your miracle. Your past doesn't have to keep you from that. It didn't for this lady, and it doesn't for you either. There's a third thing. So her past didn't keep her from a miracle, but what about her present? What about her present? So the third, uh, the third thing we want to look at is barriers are preparation for your miracle. Barriers are preparation for your miracle. So she was ignored by Jesus, Jesus was ignoring her. Look what it says in verse 23. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. What? This is Jesus. Like, you're not supposed to do that. Like, why are, why are you ignoring her? But let's just have an honest moment for a second. You ever felt ignored by God? You ever felt like God wasn't saying anything? Like, he's just completely silent? You're trying. You're trying to move forward. And you're like, God, where are you? You ever been in that moment? You ever been in that place, that spot? <laughs> You're like, God, are you, are you listening? Can you hear me? That's where, that's where this lady was. But look what it says in verse 23. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. I love that. Like she's not, she's not giving up. You almost, if you were to picture it, you know, they're, they're going along, and, and this lady's just begging. She's, she's walking along. She's just crying out to Jesus. She's not giving up. He's not saying anything, and she just keeps on, keeps on. It's annoying the disciples at this point. But what I love about that is that she's not giving up. And some of you, you give up too early. Give up too early for your miracle. Man, your miracle could be right around the corner. And you know what this lady teaches us? To not give up, to persist and keep going and keep going and keep going. Don't let God's silence discourage you. Continue to press in. Sometimes he likes to play hard to get, and you got to just chase after him and keep going and keep going. But not only that, look what, there's another barrier that, that shows up. Verse 24, then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep. 
the people of Israel. Okay, so now Jesus finally speaks up. Okay, now he's, now he's talking. And, but it's like the opposite thing that she wants to hear. It's like, sorry, I can't help you. It basically dismisses her request. And, but yet, this is what's so interesting, is that she doesn't give up. Now, let me ask you, though, have you ever felt like God has said no? Like, God's talking, but he says no. Now, let me give you a caveat, okay, a bit of a side note here. Sometimes God says no, because that's the right thing to do, okay? Because he's God. You, you know, you're dating someone. You're just like, oh, God, I just know they're the one. They're the one, and they don't even know Jesus. And you're like, oh, I can get them to know Jesus. God's like, no, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to rescue you. I'm trying to save you. There's some times that God is saying no for good reason. But there's other times that, that God is just resisting because he wants you to dig in and push in a little bit deeper. And that's what this woman does. Look what it says in verse 25. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. She actually worships him, calls him Lord. She's not giving up. She keeps pushing through. And then there's this last barrier where Jesus says this. Verse 26, Jesus responded, it isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Now talk about insult to injury. Talk about like, oh man, Wait, Jesus, are you allowed to say that? Even if you could say that he's referring to, you know, like your mutt cuddles at home, you know, like a really nice dog, it's still a dog, okay? He's still presenting an insult. We're going to see in just a second why, why he does that. But look what, look what her response is. I love this. Verse 27, she replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. Man, she's quick. You know, like just a, such a bold response. I love that. Here's what I want to challenge us with. Like if you were in her shoes, like go through this whole progression. Like if you were in her shoes, have you given up maybe on your miracle at the searching for Jesus? Just looking for Jesus? Nah, I'm, I'm just, it's just kind of tiring. Or maybe for, for you, it's, it's because God's silent. You know, is that where? You would give up, or it's maybe the, the insult, or it's the dismissal. Like, like, at what point? At what point? You know what this lady does? She pushes through all of those things, and she teaches us not to give up, to keep pushing through, to say, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I need a miracle. I know my past is messed up. I know you're not listening right now, or it seems like you're not listening right now, but I am not going to let you go. I need a miracle, and Jesus, I know that you can come through for me. She pushes through all of those barriers, which kind of begs the question, though, like, why is Jesus doing all this? Like, why is he making it so seemingly hard for her to do this? Here's, I, I believe this, that Jesus knew that she would push through all those barriers. He knew that her faith was great. And now she stands testimony to all the disciples that were listening and seeing that needed to trust, needed to grow in their faith. And then also all, through the, all the centuries that people would read this story, and then us today. He created all those barriers because she knew, he knew that she would bust through every single one of them. And that some of you today, you're facing a barrier to your miracle, and you're giving up or you're discouraged, or you're not willing to push through. And let me encourage you today that this woman pushed through and got her miracle. And maybe you just need to push a little bit harder because on the other side of that barrier is a miracle. It's your miracle. And you need to trust the Lord. You need to push through. Don't give up 
This lady doesn't give up, and you don't need to give up either. She believed, and you can believe as well. All right, there's this, this fourth point. Bold faith will precede your miracle. Bold faith will precede your, your miracle. So this, wo- this woman's uh, faith is, is bold, and I love... I love her response, just this line that just grabbed me as I read this story. And I thought it's so powerful for us today just to apply bold faith. And that could really initiate this whole idea of of our miracle, the miracle that God has for us. It's it's the words, that's true, but. That's true. Like she, she identified like, okay, I get it, Jesus. Now, you came, you know, first you're starting out with the Israelites, and that's what would happen. You would first start with the Israelites, and then it would spread from there. So it wasn't that, obviously, we're testament that most, probably everyone in here is a Gentile, okay? We're non-Jews, and the gospel has come to us. And so it's for everybody in the world. So it wasn't like he was being, trying to be exclusive, but he obviously was, was teaching her and helping her and helping us today to push through barriers. But her last statement, that's true. Okay, so all that's true, but. You know, what about for your situation that maybe you get a, a diagnosis from the doctor and you might look at that and say, okay, the tests say this, that's true, but you know, my God's a healer and he can heal and he can help me and he can work in my circumstances. You know, for you, maybe many of you struggling with anxiety, if you just be honest with yourself and with everyone around you, that you struggle with anxiety or depression and you've struggled with it for a long time. Maybe there just needs to come a point to where you acknowledge that and say, hey, that's true. Okay, I do. It's true. But I know God can help me. And I can give that to the Lord. And he can provide solutions. He can heal me instantly. Or he can work out a plan to where I, I walk down a path of faith and trusting him. That's true, but I can believe that God's going to help me. Maybe in your marriage, you know, you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I think my wife wants to kill me. And he'd say, that's true. <laughs> she does. <laughs> But if I can reconcile a world to myself, then I can help reconcile your marriage. That's true. You look at your circumstances financially, whatever, you fill in the blank. Say, that's true. Those numbers don't add up. But I know God can provide for us. What if every time you start talking back a little bit to your situation, and it's that bold faith to say, man, that might be true, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe him for it. So we close here. I want to encourage you that if you need a miracle, and listen, it doesn't need to be a big miracle, okay? So like you might look at the situation like, man, I just need God to help me here. I need a better work environment. I need this. I need whatever it is. Man, this is what I talked about. Would your life be better if the supernatural was at work in your life? Absolutely it would, because we all got problems. We all have dreams. We all have goals, You know what? God wants to work in your life. He actually wants to work in your life more than you want him to work in your life. Or all of us. He's crazy about you. But you've got to open the door. And the spark that's going to make that happen is faith. Is simply trusting him. So we're going to take some time here at the end. If if everyone could stand. I want to to take a moment um, and actually read read a story to you. So it's cool. This was sent in to us um, from, from Joe and Carrie. They attend our church here about their son, Isaac. Let's read the, the testimony to you. It says this. Um, this is Joe writing it in. 
When Carrie was pregnant with Isaac, we went to a routine doctor appointment for an ultrasound. The doctor told us that something did not look right, and he wanted a higher definition ultrasound. After the next ultrasound, the doctor told us that Isaac appeared to have three spots on his brain that was concerning him, and that he wanted us to go to Children's Mercy Hospital for some testing. After a series of ultrasounds and tests, they found cysts on Isaac's brain. They basically told us that our son uh, was going to be born with multiple defects. It would be similar to Down syndrome, but much worse. He said each case was different, but in every case, the baby would come out deformed and have a very difficult time surviving. They, told, they sent us home and told us that um, they sent us home and told us they wanted us to talk about if we would like to terminate the pregnancy. My wife had a strong background in church growing up, and I was familiar with it, but had no really experience with the Holy Spirit. Our families started praying for us, uh, obviously, and putting our names on all the prayer lists everywhere nationwide. We went to our follow-up appointment, and our doctor said the cysts were getting bigger. We continued to the next follow-up appointments every two weeks for the next two months, but one of our appointments we set three weeks apart. And every morning and every evening, we would pray together. And we also had everyone else praying as well for our son. We went to Children's Mercy for that appointment three weeks later. We were absolutely terrified and as nervous as could be. They took us back to the high-definition ultrasound. The lady performing the ultrasound had a very puzzled look on her face and told us to hang on for a minute while she went and got the doctor. The doctor came in and looked at the pictures and then did the ultrasound himself. And he paused and he looked at us and said, you're not going to believe this. Expecting the worst news, the doctor proceeded to tell us that he had never seen anything like this, really did not know any explanation, but the cysts were gone. 100% gone. Not a trace of them. <laughs> we held each other in the office and, and thanked Jesus over and over. The doctor said he wanted us to come back in a few weeks just to see if they would come back and if they were truly gone. The doctor said he had never seen anything like that before and was amazed. Listen to this. And this was the first time I met Jesus. He showed me his face and what he was capable of. Isaac turns 19 years old this year, and I'm so thankful that God provided a miracle. Come on, can we thank Jesus? Lord, thank you. Yes. That's the miracle that they experienced, but God has a miracle for you. All you have to do is step out in faith and trust him. We're going to have the prayer team go ahead and, and come forward. And I want to encourage you to step out. We're going to, we're going to do a worship song here. Don't let the barrier be like, hey, I'm afraid to, to come forward, or especially if you're like right in the middle and you've got to make like 15 people move. That's all right. That's your barrier, okay? I'm sure they'll gladly get out of the way for you to come forward. And here's the reality. I want to encourage you. You may not have, you know, something like that that you're facing, but the reality is you do have challenges and problems. What if God just wants to do something in your life supernatural, and he just wants you to step out in faith and trust him. We've got time, so I want to encourage you right now to come forward and trust him. You need a miracle. You need God to work in your life. Or if there's somebody else that needs it on their behalf, you can come forward. We want to pray with you, okay? So we're going to worship, but go ahead and begin to move out of your seats. Come forward, and let's pray for you.